Welcome to the Failing Forward podcast. I am so incredibly excited to introduce you guys to the guest today. This is a man that I've been following around the streets of Clubhouse. And if you guys haven't experienced the app yet, you've got to get on there. It's amazing. I mean, there's thought leaders. There are, I don't even, I mean, I was talking to Les Brown yesterday. I mean, Les Brown, Grant Cardone, but Dr. John Sautery, our guest speaker for today. This man is incredible. He is 61 years old. And for those of you that are listening right now, you're not watching this on YouTube. I want you to go ahead and Google him, Dr. John Sautery or Bionic Vitality and look at his picture. He's 61 years young. The guy looks like he's in his mid thirties. When he first told us he was in a clubhouse room and I see his picture, this like ripped dude, he's got the abs, (laughs) he's got the tan, he's got like the salt and pepper hair. He's like, yeah, I'm 61 years old. I'm like, I literally choked on my water and I messaged him on the back chat. I was like, you're what? What's your secret? Get on a call right now. We got on a call. It was supposed to be like 15 minutes long and it went over an hour. He had to go pick up his son from school. And I learned so much from him in that conversation as much in that one hour than I have last 10 years. So I am just so wow. grateful and so blessed to welcome Dr. John Sautery to the Failing Forward podcast. He is a scientist focused on maximizing health span who looks and performs like a person half his age, literally. His magic is his ability to translate breakthrough research so that normal people, non-scientists can get it and take action to both feel amazing and reduce their biological age. Just to give you a little bit more perspective on the value that we're bringing to you in this episode, Dr. John Sautery worked at Procter & Gamble. He actually led the development of the new sunscreen technology, and he played a key role in developing products that achieved hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. L'Oreal brings him on as a consultant for their products, and he, he has to get paid a thousand dollars an hour to speak to them and consult them. And you guys are about to get that information, that value for free. All you gotta do is like subscribe, follow us, follow him, check out his work. But Dr. John Saudi, we're so incredibly thankful to have you here. Welcome my friend. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome to be here. And, uh, you know, when we met on clubhouse, I just, you know, I sensed that you were like me, that you just had this incredible passion for, understanding things and figuring out how to fix things and not like, oh, gee, this is wrong. I need to take this drug or this is wrong. I need this surgery. It was like, no, I need to understand it at a more root cause level. And then I can make small course changes and I can fix my body, fix my health, fix my metabolism without going down kind of the normal, the normal road. I don't hate drugs. I'm glad that we have a strong pharmaceutical industry, but it's not my first choice. I want to take the fewest number of drugs for the shortest amount of time at the lowest possible dose. So it's not that I hate pharmaceuticals. It's just that if there's something broken in the body, I don't want to try to fix the symptom with a pharmaceutical. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love what you're doing and uh, it's great to be here. And I know we're going to have fun today. So let's, uh, so much fun today. If, so if I ever start talking, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times when, you know, you wake up and it's three in the morning and your, your two year old has a high fever and it's spiking. I'm going to give them some ibuprofen. Um, I'm going to do something to bring down the fever, but I'm not going to, you know, if I hurt my back, I'm not going to, for the rest of my life, take 
800 milligrams of ibuprofen three times a day so that 20 years later I end up with liver problems, I end up with kidney problems, I end up with gut problems and so on. So I want to fix things that are root cause and then you always have the pharmaceuticals available as a backup, but not as your first, not as your first option. So yeah, uh, great to be here. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things is you actually went and received your PhD in chemistry yes. at Tate University in 1985. And you were also honored with a JT Adams chemistry fellowship while you were there. So you were on this track to becoming a doctor and going down the medical field. When did you make that shift from working what it looks like in creating some of these drugs to saying, you know what? I'm not about the drugs. I'm going to go into this biohacking, this anti-aging, this figuring out the root cause. When did that happen for you? Well, you know, um, my father is a scientist. Um, He passed a couple of years back at age 90. And my grandfather was a PhD scientist as well. In fact, at Bard College in New York, one of the buildings is called Sautery Hall. It's uh, named in honor of my grandfather who taught there for, you know, 30 plus years. Um, so I guess I had the, the science gene and I always wanted to figure out how things worked. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, someone stole one of our bikes and I thought, how do they get the lock open? And I said, you know, I got to figure this out. And so I went on my father's um, in the garage and I actually ground off the rivets on the lock and opened it and I said, Oh my God, this lock's a piece of junk. And I said, wow, if I took my key and I, and I filed it this way, it would make a master key. So at 10 years old, I made a master key that would open all these locks. At 10 years <laughs> old, oh my gosh. <laughs> my parents are like, what? I go, watch this. And I was running around the house, like, because oh we God. had like four of those locks. I was like, click, 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 click. And my mother just looked at me and she don't was like- Don't teach my two-year-old that. Please don't teach my two-year-old Yeah, that. no, I won't. But I, so I always wanted to know how things worked. and when I started getting into chemistry and electron transfer and enzymes, I was like, wow, I can figure out how the world works at the most fundamental level. And I just, I just loved it. I had that curiosity. Um, and I, I think you have to, you either love it or you hate it. But I think the, the thing for me, which is different is that I know a lot of incredibly smart people that go super deep in their area. And I have so much respect for them. Um, But the challenge is it's hard for them to convey it to normal people. So I spend a lot of time, not just understanding the science, but thinking about how can I take this concept and connect it with something that they already know. So that way they really get it inside their body of what's going on. And then they're motivated to make the change because they understand it. And then I say, okay, and here's what you do about it. So um, I, I don't think it helps to just have great science. To me, it has to be put into practice. And so I try to, you know, share it in a simpler, more digestible way without losing the meaning. And then I say, okay, now that you understand, okay, here's what I'm doing about it. And, you know, I'm going to lay it out for you and then you're going to run it by your doctor. And if it, if it looks, if he says, gives you the green light, then let's, you know, go for it. Um, one thing I want to say right up front is I am a scientist and I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not providing medical advice at all. I'm trying to help you understand how the science works 
And then you can have a good conversation with your doctor and make sure it's right for you. Because any molecule, including water, if you consume enough water during the day, if you drink five or six gallons of water, there's a real good chance you're going to die. And people have died after being in radio contests to see who could drink the most water. So even water at a high enough dose can kill you. So I don't want, you know, you got to always have to be careful. You always have to run it by your doctor. But when I sit down with my doctors, they're like, okay, John, what do you got for me? Because they know that I'm <laughs> all over PubMed. I'm all over the science. I try to follow a hundred different scientists around the world. Each one is, a, is just brilliant in their area. And then my job is to pull it all together, simplify it. Because I want to build a race car. It's not just about one thing. It's not just about arterial calcification or your blood lipids or autophagy or senescent cells. It's all of those things. Just like if you build a race car, it's not just about horsepower. It's not just about having good brakes or anti-lock brakes. It's not just about aerodynamics or suspension. You really have to optimize everything. And you so know, when it I'll comes pause to you right there, because you just said yeah. some big words and I'm sitting there like trying to write them down. Oh, sorry. Like, I don't even know how to spell them out. I'm like, how do I, how do I research this? So instead of making the audience members be like, wait, what, what's a senescent cell? Let's go over the key components of a race car, what you just said. And let's, yeah. let's define really quick. Okay, sure. Um, so, okay. Real, uh, well, I'll start with autophagy. So, Autophagy is this magical system you have in your cells that they use to clean themselves up inside. So they get rid of all the cellular junk that builds up. Um, all the misfolded proteins that could give you Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. Um, it, it is just incredibly important. In fact, it's so important that the 2016 Nobel Prize in Medicine was awarded to a Japanese researcher for his, you know, 18 years of work on understanding autophagy. So I, it's, I picture it like the little, uh, you know, Dyson vacuum cleaner that cleans up all the cellular garbage. And it's very complicated, but in essence, Everything that's been shown to extend lifespan, whether it's rapamycin, which is a drug, or caloric restriction, or exercise, all the different things or, you know, that, that extend lifespan, if you turn off autophagy, none of them work. It shuts them all down. So it's, it is incredibly important. And, you know, a thousand years ago, humans ate, if they were lucky, one meal a day. And so every day you turned on autophagy because when you're fasting, the, there's a part of your cell called mTOR. I'm not even going to tell you what that stands for. And mTOR is the factory foreman in your cell. And it looks at several factors and says, are we going to build proteins today? Are we going to build, build, build? Or are we going to shut down the factory and clean up all this junk that's built up. And mTOR, you know, basically when it goes, when it is lowered, that's the signal for the, for the cell to turn on autophagy. And, um, you know, they've done studies in animals, and this one really grabbed me. I think it was Dr. Eileen White up at Rutgers. And um, she took mice and they knocked out the autophagy gene. And all the mice died within three months from neurodegeneration. 
And I don't want to lose my mind. I mean, I'm, I'll be 62 in a couple of months and I want to be sharp mentally. I don't want sight. I don't want all this junk to build up in my brain. I don't want Alzheimer's. I don't want Parkinson's. I don't want cognitive impairment. And uh, so I want to turn on autophagy. I also feel like I started focusing on autophagy, you know, about five years ago when the Nobel Prize work came out. And I know my skin looks better because I'm giving my cells a chance every single day to clean up all the cellular junk. So we can talk a little bit more about some of the things you can do to trigger autophagy. Um, but that's, that's one of those ones that's just fundamental. You can make your cells younger. And last piece, last piece on autophagy is your mitochondria are the battery chargers that charge up your ATP, your adenosine triphosphate. And when they wear out over time or they become dysfunctional and they leak free radicals, um, your body tags the bad ones. And when you turn on autophagy, it gets rid of all the bad mitochondria and recycles them and makes brand new mitochondria. And if you don't do that, then the damaged mitochondria will reproduce because they do it by cell division and then you'll end up with two damaged mitochondria and then you'll end up with four and then eight and then 16. So it's critical to get rid of the damaged mitochondria and the misfolded proteins and the cellular junk. And that's one of the reasons why fasting is so powerful in terms of improving your health and maybe even reversing or reducing your biological age. Now I said a lot, I'm going to hand it back to you. You can that ask was some, incredible. some drill down questions, but I think you don't, I don't hear people talking about autophagy. I don't, it just no. doesn't come up in conversations. I just and yet, heard it like six it, months ago when I was doing yeah. this, this reset for my own gut. And I was, I, I did a very strict elimination diet. I got rid of all carbohydrates, all sugar, all fiber, including vegetables and fruit. And I wow. went heavy, heavy, heavy into protein and fat, high yeah. fat, high protein, eggs, yeah. meat, very, very high quality oils. And in that time, I remember I was worried about, you know, is my cholesterol going to go up? Am I going to suffer from a heart attack? Am I going to be missing some other sure. nutrients and supplements that you would be getting from, from vegetables. Like I was really concerned about that. And when I talked to a couple of different doctors, they, they started to talk to me about cell autophagy, how, what I was doing was one of the best things, um, because I was intermittent fasting. I would only eat for eight hours a day. My eating yeah. window was from yeah. 12 to eight. And in that yeah. time that I wasn't eating, I was, I had the cell autophagy that was on. It was getting rid of yeah. all the bad cells. It was helping me repair my SIBO, my leaky gut. It was helping seal off my gut lining. Um, yes. And then the foods that I was eating, they were anti-inflammatory. So I was not only healing my gut lining, healing my small intestines, my large intestines, healing my SIBO holistically through food, but I yeah. was also at the same time reducing the inflammation and inflammation is the center for disease where there's inflammation, there's disease. So my gut was a wreck. What was happening? My entire body, think of our body as having all these little soldiers and soldiers are helping us with our heart, our cardiovascular system, our lungs, our respiratory system, sure. our brain, our cognitive ability, our gut, our digestion, our reproductive organs, fertility, right? If you have an issue in your gut and your gut is damaged, like mine was damaged for almost 20 years. I probably mm -hmm. had SIBO since I was 15 years old because that's when I started wow. to actually feel these symptoms of 
gut-wrenching pain, extreme bloating after the healthiest of meals. I would literally have a couple pieces of lettuce and like a handful of almonds and maybe two cherry tomatoes. And I would look immediately within 10 minutes, like I was four months pregnant with gut-wrenching pain. I would be constipated for three, four days at a time. I had all the symptoms, but none of the doctors were able to say, you know what? I think you have SIBO. And I suffered with that pain and having skin issues and having bloating issues and having bowel movement issues until I was 33 years old. Wow. Finally, they, they figured out, they're like, Hey, I went to a functional medicine doctor. She's like, based on your symptoms and based on the fact that you have this postpartum depression in your mood, it sounds like all the soldiers in your body are trying to heal your gut. It sounds like you have this leaky gut, this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, the SIBO. And I was like, what the heck is that? No one's ever told me about that before. No one. And I had gone to gastroenterologist, three different hormone specialists, naturopathic doctor, functional medicine doctor, my primary care physician, my OBGYN, and everyone was trying to treat my symptoms with low-grade SSRIs, Zoloft, Lexapro, um, all of that. And and antibiotics. And I was like, what is this? Like, I don't want to just start putting this stuff into my body, causing more inflammation, more disease, right? Like, let's get yeah. to the bottom of it. So when she told me, I think you have SIBO, I'm going to send you home with this breath test and you're going to take it. And it's going to be two hours. And it's going to be really weird, but send it back. We're going to get your results within two weeks. And we're going to find out if this is what you're going through. Cause it sounds sure. like it is. I did the breath test. It came back positive. And then I was like, okay, now what do I do? At least now I have the answer for 18 years of pain. Now yeah. what do I do? And the solution was, and this is from a functional medicine doctor that I highly respect. Like she finally figured out my problem. The solution was for your mood and your depression, I'm going to put you on low grade Zoloft. We'll start off at 10 milligrams and we'll build up from there. And for your SIBO, we're going to put you on three weeks of antibiotics. And at yeah. the time I was seven months postpartum, I was breastfeeding and I was not willing to put those things in my body. Yeah. I've been on antidepressants before. I've went through a lot of trauma in my adolescence. I did six years of antidepressants and I can't even tell you the number of different drugs that they guinea pig tested me on. They, they tried Zoloft that didn't work, cycle up, cycle down. They tried Lexapro that didn't work, cycle up, cycle down. Then they found out that my, my mom, I love you, mom, if you're listening to this, sorry. She, she has bipolar disorder. She does. Mm. She's very depressive. Um, and she has to take lithium and they were like, you know what? That might be genetic. Maybe you have bipolar. So then they put me on Lamectal, which they were testing at the time. And that was a anti-seizure medication, but they, they saw that it was working for, for bipolar disorder. So they were like, maybe you have bipolar, like your mom. So let's try that. So they put me on Lamectal cycle up, cycle down. Mind you, this is from 17 years of age until 24 years of age, all while I was still suffering with the SIBO thing. I mean, you and I talked before we started the interview, I was living off of Kraft's macaroni and cheese. So that was already taxing my gut. So my story is one of, I was killing myself from the inside out and going to multiple different doctors trying to find the answer. And no one had the answer. And when someone finally had the answer, the solution was, here's three weeks of antibiotics. Here's yeah. Zoloft. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to take that Zoloft because it didn't work for me. If it didn't work yeah. for me when I was 19 years old, it's not going to work for me now that I'm 33. Um, so I went on my healing journey and that's what got me down this path of figuring out how to heal my gut holistically and why you and I are talking today. So let's dive into that. Cause I know you have a lot to say. Sure. I mean, um, you said a couple of things that, that, uh, jumped out at me. Um, one is, and we can come back to this, but I actually take like one milligram of lithium every morning 
because people that get low dose lithium live longer. Great. And I don't know how much that's delivering, but I, I know that formula gives you some magnesium. That, that's from the, um, from the great, from the Salt Lake, right? Is that right? Where they? So yeah. for those of you that are not watching right now, and even if you're watching, you wouldn't have seen my screen. As Dr. John just said that, one thing that I just started to take and it helped me tremendously, trace mineral drops. And it is from the Great Lakes. And yeah. on the back, you look at the ingredients, there's 1.5 milligrams of lithium in there. Yeah. And then, and there's a good, good slug of magnesium and, and it's, that's great. Um, yeah, there's, there's data on almost 3 million people in Japan, in the U S and in Europe, and they live longer when they have more lithium in their drinking water and they end up with less cognitive impairment and less Alzheimer's. So that trace lithium in 20 years, everyone's going to be taking it, but it might take five, 10, 15, 20 years before it becomes mainstream. So it's just something to, and it's, we're not talking about taking a pharmaceutical dose. We're talking about taking it as a supplement, low dose, you know, um, it'll say a thousand micrograms, which is like one milligram. And you could even get away taking 0.3 milligrams. Even, even that amount will give you a lot of the benefits. So, um, and you also talked a little bit about, you know, with, with your mom and, and you know, dealing with bipolar, um, for some people that are bipolar, really bringing up their omega-3s, I mean, really high doses, because DHA, docosohexanoic acid, it's this 22-carbon omega-3, and it's the primary lipid of the brain. So that's the primary structural element of your brain. And, um, you know, when you gave birth, I don't know how much DHA you had in your diet, but you know, the mother has to provide that molecule to the baby for the baby's brain to develop. So if you were consuming this amount, but the baby required this amount, that difference, it'll actually pull it from your brain and give it to the baby because the biological imperative is for, is for the baby. And um, so I think that for some people, their DHA stores are depleted through pregnancy. So I like to see women really pay close attention and you have to get a really clean source because some of the fish oil is oxidized and some of it is contaminated. So to me, that's one of those supplements you have to really do your homework and really find something that's super clean. Um, but you know, that, that's something that, that I, you know, I heard you say, um, a little bit, you know, on the SSRIs, you know, the selective topic really quick, because you just blew my mind. I've always been taking omega-3 fish oils. And I know for those of you that are plant-based and you're listening in, there's other options. If you can't take a fish oil, there's plant-based omega-3s that you can get through algae, blue green being one of the best ones. And, you know, work with a supplement specialist. I'll drop a couple of links for you guys in the show notes so that you can work with some of the people that I work with. Cause I'm not a supplementation expert by any means, but what you said about bipolar increasing the omega-3 a, I never knew that, but interestingly enough, I always knew that omega-3 was really, really important for cognition and for your brain. Yes. So yes. my mom was visiting us about four months ago. And one morning she was watching me take my cap full of my fish oil and I take Nordic naturals. So it's yeah, a, yeah. about a two to one ratio there, DHA to EPA. She's yeah. like, what are you taking? I was like, fish oil. She's like, what? That's gross. I was like, try it. She took it the three days that she was with me and she immediately felt 
better. Like she went from feeling like depressed, kind of depressed, kind of lowly on day three. She's like, Miku, that oil stuff. The only thing I'm doing different is that. And I, I feel better than I've ever felt. So I ordered her a bottle and she's been taking it and she is a different person. It's insane. And I never, yeah. I never equated the omega-3 to bipolar. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that, and that mind. makes, that makes perfect sense. And I think her experience fits with a lot of people that suffer from bipolar. So it's, you know, maybe you have some level of predisposition towards it, but you, when you don't get enough omega-3s, the thing is that 22 carbon omega-3 your body cannot manufacture it. And if you are going to supplement, you have to get the algae version because it's going to be, it's going to give you the 20 and 22 carbon ones. What you get from, uh, you know, from hemp and from flaxseed is an omega-3, but it's not the long chain omega-3. And the body has to chain lengthen it from 18 to 20 to 22. So if you took... 2,000 um, milligrams of omega-3 from flaxseed, you're only going to make 100 milligrams of DHA from that because the, the conversions are very inefficient. So you're going to convert about 5%. So you think about it, oh my God, I ate this ton of omega-3s from walnuts or from flaxseed or from hemp. That's great, but you're still only getting a relatively trivial amount of the 22 carbon that you need for your brain. And that's why, and, and salmon do not synthesize omega-3s. They get it in the food chain. Um, that's another reason why I never eat farm-raised salmon because I don't want to rely on whoever's feeding them the yes. fish food to make sure that they're giving them the really clean omega-3 and the good stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to get fish that are, that are from really clean waters, you know, wild fish. And then I want it to go through a careful, you know, molecular distillation. And then I want it to be tested at the end to make sure it's not oxidized and that there's no PCBs, there's no lead, there's no cadmium, things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, that here, work I'm, for I'm your clapping. mom. I'm like, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Talk about that because <laughs> we'll go into some nutrition on this episode today too, but yes, a lot of people are like, I'm eating salmon. It's so healthy, but you're, you're trying to buy the cheap stuff and the cheap yeah. stuff is not doing you any good. Just like Dr. John just said, if you're going to have salmon, it needs to be wild caught. If, if you're going to have meat, it needs to be grass fed organic because you're not just eating the meat, you're eating the meat or the fish and everything that they ate as well. Yeah. That makes sense? yeah. So I mean, and, and you know, like, real quick on the grass fed uh, beef, they did work at, at Clemson. Um, and they studied the meat from cows that only ate grass. And then they also looked at ones that were grass fed, but then grain finished. And what they showed was if you feed them grain at the end to fatten them up, that the fatty acid composition changes from a good composition, which has a lot of omega threes to one that starts looking like corn oil, because when you feed the, when you feed them corn, corn has in essence the corn oil so you get all these omega-6 fats and you screw it up so if you do um, go down that road i would eat a smaller portion because it is going to be more pricey but it's so much better for you i'd eat a smaller portion and i would make sure it was grass fed and grass finished because if they feed them grain for the last four or five weeks you screw up the fat composition because again all i mean you know the way they fatten up 
you know, uh, animals is the same way they fatten up humans, which is they just feed them way too much carbohydrate. They drive up their insulin. Then it, you build a lot of fat and you drive that fat into storage. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's bad. So I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn it back to you. I just wanted to interject those couple of points and I'm so happy for you, mom, because I think there's so many people that if they fixed just that one thing, if they fixed their omega, their omega six to omega three ratio, if they fix that, they would have less pain. They would have less cardiovascular disease because um, inflammation of your arteries is a huge problem. That's fundamental to heart disease. And if you can get rid of that inflammation, uh, you don't end up dying from heart disease nearly as much. Um, it's it's pain. It's it's aging. Inflammation ages you. I mean, you know, because you've yes. been through it. And in essence, inflammation is your immune system going on the attack. It's your special forces guys going in and they're shooting it up. And you're always going to get collateral damage. And when they're at war, they send the signal out to everyone else to go to war, too. So even if it was in your gut with SIBO, it can make your back hurt. It can make your hips hurt. Oh my gosh. I've had like, I had chronic round ligament pain on my right hip. I have really bad scoliosis. I suffer from chronic back pain and neck tension um, forever. I mean, I had to go to chiropractor once, if not twice a week for a long time. And then maintenance once, once every three weeks for over 10 years. And I have to get a weekly massage even now today, because I still hold a lot of tension in my muscles. The body keeps the score, right? And this is coming from 15 plus years of my gut being taxed and not knowing how to fix it. Yeah. You know, I, I, we, we touched on it briefly, but I went through SIBO myself. And when I, I got SIBO from having a case of food poisoning, when I was in Germany at a trade show, and up until that point, I could eat anything, anytime, anywhere. I never had a single gut issue. And for 15 years, I, if I ate the wrong food, my gut would, I called it a Buddha belly. My gut would yes. go out like a Buddha belly. And, and I just, and I studied the science and I went to GI doctors and no one could figure it out. And then finally I found a, an MD at UCLA that was doing some really interesting work. And he really kind of helped make it mainstream that this was real and that when you get bugs that translocate from your large intestine to your small intestine where they're not supposed to be and then things come through your small intestine and they ferment them so that test you did was either looking at hydrogen gas or methane gas because it was looking for bacteria in your small intestine and you know they were looking to see if there was you know an early peak and a late peak because you should see hydrogen in your breath when it gets to your large intestine. But when you see that double peak, when you see it early, that says, wow, you have bugs that are in your small intestine and they're going to town. Um, and, and when and you take probiotics, like you sometimes it's worse because you probiotics, even the good species, when they're where they're not supposed to be cause all, you know, horrendous problems. And, uh, so I ended up for me, I ended up doing a two-week course of uh, Zyfaxin, um, and not only did it f- fix my gut, but I had had pain in my lower back and hips for the previous five or seven years. Uh, when I hit like day four, I was like, oh my God, 
all that inflammation. So it was all my immune system going to war every day in my gut. It was so inflamed. It was so problematic. And then those cytokines, which I call the Paul Revere molecules because the cells release these to tell everyone, like Paul Revere told everyone, it's time to go to war. And they're long-lasting molecules that can flow through your bloodstream. And so they trigger other parts of your body to become inflamed because it's like we're at war, start shooting. Yes. And uh, so when I knocked out the gut issue, it had this you know ripple effect, a beautiful ripple effect where suddenly you know, chronic inflammation in my lower back and hips just went away. It was awesome. So yeah, I'm so to, happy. Yeah, I, you and I, I had, we, we took a similar path and, and we went through, yeah. you know, decades of, of agony with that. And I hated it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was 15 years for both of us, which is kind of funny that we both suffered with it for 15 years. And for you, it was two weeks of taking the antibiotic, which healed you. For me, it was four weeks of changing my diet and working on mindfulness and meditation, which healed me. So we did yeah. two different paths. I got to the and same I, I was and I, I also worked on inflammation at the same time. And I also um, tried to do more in terms of meditation and mindfulness. I used some uh, binaural beats. Uh, I think it's called Holosync. I because yeah. I had a hard time meditating, but that allowed me to you know get into that that state where I could get more renewal. Hertz, so, 28 hertz, that vibration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some some cool yeah. So I didn't just take and and it turned out that a year later I had a relapse and I had to go through it again. And uh, so, you know, so I had, you know, it wasn't as bad the second time, but it was like, oh my God. And, and I talked to my GI guy and he goes, you know, he goes, yeah, that's not unusual, John. He goes, you know, oftentimes. And I had, I had gone home and visited my, my family and st started eating things I don't normally eat. A lot of sugar eat. and a lot of carbs, and I'm guessing. Exactly. I and I just, and it I, I, they went nuts. And all of a sudden I was back and I was like, oh, I can't believe I yeah. did this to myself. You know, so, yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about that more because I'm sure there are people that are listening that are like, oh, I, I'm, I'm hearing some stuff here that's kind of resonating with me. First and foremost, if you are someone who, when you eat immediately after you eat, you get bloated or you get this pooch or ladies, you can no longer keep your bat, your pants buttoned. So you excuse yourself to the restroom to unbutton it and put the hair tie around. I know what you do. I did it too for 15 years. That's not normal. Bloating is not normal. That is a sign, a, a signal that your body is sending to you to say, help me something's wrong. You're eating something that doesn't work with me. Maybe you have a yeah. food sensitivity or a food intolerance or food allergy to something like for me, it was scallops and coconut. And I eat scallops and coconut all the time, literally at least once a week, if not every single day with coconut aminos, coconut oil, coconut flakes and everything that I was eating. And I had no idea that I was sensitive to it. So I'm yeah. eating foods that I'm sensitive to that are causing me to get bloated. Or and my other situation was I have leaky gut. So anytime I ate, didn't matter what I ate, if it was things I was sensitive to or not sensitive to, it was causing this chronic bloating, inflammation, gut-wrenching pain. And I'd love to interject something. So you normally have tight junctions in your small intestine and they're designed so proteins have to be broken down to individual amino acids and the individual amino acids can pass. But when you get inflammation in your gut, those junctions open up. And now, instead of it being an individual amino acid, you actually get bigger pieces of protein that cross over and get in your bloodstream. And when your immune system sees 
those proteins, it says, this isn't supposed to be here. This is a foreign protein. Everybody start shooting. And so <clears throat> once your gut becomes permeable, suddenly foods that never bothered you before, suddenly you, you, get, you eat them and you get brain fog and you eat them and you don't feel well and you feel like you need Tired to take a nap. Mood issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or you're, yeah, exactly. You're pissed off because, um, you know, when you, have a, when you have a hangover and you're easily annoyed, that's, your brain is very inflamed from what happened. And so when you have foods where you normally don't react, but then a piece of that protein crosses over, you're getting that same effect. You're getting that inflammation in your brain, in your body, in your back, and so on. So a lot of yeah, people- that brain barrier. Yeah, when they fix their gut, suddenly, you know, six months later, they can actually start eating some of the foods that were a big problem. Because once you get rid of the inflammation and you restore that integrity of your gut, then those foods are no longer a problem because what's happening is the hydrochloric acid is chopping up those long protein chains down to the individual amino acids and the big chunks are not crossing over and your, and your body's happy. Your immune system says, hey, nothing to shoot at here. You know, we, we don't have a problem. So um, the other problem is if a sequence comes across, and I like to th talk about things in terms of metaphors. So picture it like... Um, there's a sequence that looks like the referee in a football game with the, with the black and white striped shirt. Very dis definitive, right? Is it distinctive? Let's say that sequence looks very similar to something that's in your thyroid. Well, what happens is the immune system, they show them a picture and they say, kill this thing. And they start attacking it, whatever comes across. But then you get collateral damage or mistaken identity where certain things trigger your immune system to attack your thyroid and you end up with inflammation in your thyroid you know you end up with hashimotos you start to your your um, uh, metabolism starts to drop because the thyroid can't make t4 and t3 effectively and so you know a bad gut can trigger autoimmune conditions where your own immune system in a case of mistaken identity because it's dealing with something from your leaky gut now goes out and starts attacking other tissues if it attacks your pancreas it can knock out those cells that produce insulin if it attacks your thyroid it can screw up your your metabolism by screwing up your thyroid hormone so um you know i i think the gut health is so fundamental i love that you focus on that because it's it's one of those foundational things that if you don't fix that, I don't care what you take for supplements. I don't care how you work out. If like your gut is biotics, your multivitamin, yeah. none of that matters. Doesn't matter if your what gut is screwed up, you're, you're yeah, you're, you're toast. And you, and you know that cause you've you lived gotta it. Reset and your I, gut. Yeah. You got to yeah. do it. Absolutely. And a lot of people Absolutely. are like, Oh, I don't want to spend this money doing these courses or all this stuff. It's like, how much money have you spent? And for how long on doctor's appointments, on blood yeah. work, on labs, sure on supplements, on, I don't even know where to start. You probably spent yeah. tens of thousands of dollars trying to get yourself to live a healthy life, buying organic food. How much was your groceries? A hundred, $200. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to live a healthy life, but you're not doing the work healing your gut and healing yeah. your gut lining. It's, it's all for nothing. It's literally yeah. like you're pouring water down a funnel that 
is bottomless. You're not capturing any of that good that you're putting into your body. So I want to go back and talk about one thing that you mentioned, omega-3s versus omega-6s. Omega-3s are the good ones. Omega-6s are the bad ones. Can you dive into what what is- They're both- You know what I'd say is they're they're both necessary. So you need omega-6s and you need omega-3s. You need to have some arachidonic acid in your body. Because when your immune system needs to go to war, it needs to create, you know, prostaglandin E2 to kind of bring up inflammation and do all the things that it has to do. So it's not that omega-6s are bad, but what the problem is, ideally, you want to be at 4 to 1, omega-6 to omega-3, or maybe 5 to 1, or maybe 3 to 1. It depends who you talk to. But let's just say 4 to 1 is a decent, is a, is a, a good level to to minimize your risk for heart attack, for cardiovascular disease, for brain issues, and so on. Most Americans are at 15 to 1 or 20 to 1. They get way too much omega-6 and way too little omega-3. And what I tell people, they don't have those commercials anymore, I don't think, but they used to have the Smokey the Bear risk of forest fire thing, you know, where it showed if the risk of forest fires was low, medium, or high. And... Um, when your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is at 20 to 1, your risk of inflammation in your body is off the charts. So you just go out and you play tennis for two hours, and the next day your elbow's killing you, your back's killing you, your leg is sore, because you have way too much omega-6, and all inflammation starts with the same reaction. There's an omega-6 molecule, it's arachidonic acid, and it gets converted to prostaglandin E2. And then all the pain relievers like ibuprofen or Advil or you know whatever, naproxen, sodium, all of those work by blocking that conversion of arachidonic acid to prostaglandin E2. The problem is that they also can give you gut issues. They can also raise your risk of cardiovascular disease. So it, you know, that's not a long-term solution. What I prefer to do is go upstream and fix my cell membranes so that I have the right ratio of six to three. So if we need to turn on the fire because I have a, a bacterial infection, I can do that. But it doesn't, the fire, you know, I don't turn the flamethrowers on every single day. And uh, there's a test you can do. It's called the, oh, it's a, I think it's called the Omega Check Complete. And they will take a blood sample. I think you can do it as an at-home test. I don't have anything to do with them economically, but you do a finger prick and you drip a few drops of blood and send it off in the mailer. And then they profile the fatty acid composition in your blood. And then they show you where you are. Are you in the red, the high risk area? Or are you in the green? or maybe you're in between in the yellow. And um, I, I like to do that every few years to just see, do I need to bring up my consumption of omega-3s or am I in the, you know, I wanna be in the green on everything. Um, and plus when I go out and you know go on a four day backpacking trip and I have a 38 pound pack and I'm going up mountains in, you know, in uh, North Carolina, I don't wanna be crippled the next day. I mean, when I wake up, sleeping on the ground and get up the next day. I want to get up and get moving. I don't want to be in agony. So um, your quality of life, when you bring down inflammation, your thought clarity goes up. 
your risk of cardiovascular disease goes down. Your quality of life goes right through the roof. So the reason why we get way too much omega-6 is those are the cheapest fats. Soybean oil is the least expensive fat that they can use. I was waiting for you to go there. Yeah. And I don't, and canola oil is a disaster. There's no canola. There's no all vegetable vegetable seeds oil. Yeah. yeah. Rancid. They oxidize quickly. They're not good. So my question to you, Dr. John was, so where do we get them? Where are we finding them? And why is our ratio? It's supposed to be three to one, four to one, five to one, six to one. But most Americans, as you said, I want to amplify what you said, are 15 to 1, 20 to 1. So they're living in a state of chronic inflammation. And that's why they're getting colds all the time. They're catching the flu every single year. They're in chronic pain. Their joints are hurting. They have arthritis. It's all inflammation. Anything that ends in an itis, it's inflammation. Exactly. Where is, why is our profile so high in America for omega-6s? And you already said it, but I want you to dive deeper into it. seed oils and vegetable oils. Yeah. So I, in my house, there is no canola oil. There is no corn oil. There is no soybean oil. And we try to absolutely minimize processed foods because when they're formulating processed foods, and I know people that work for the big processed food companies as formulators, they sit down with marketing and they say, we need to win in the taste composite. You know, we need to win versus this product. And then here's the cost of goods. Here's how much you can spend per serving or per package and for the ingredients. And they can't afford to use high quality, you know, the same high quality um, fats that you would use if you made it at home. So they use soybean oil, they use corn oil, uh, they use canola oil, generally soybean oil because it's the cheapest and it's a disaster. So a lot of people when they ditch processed foods, they feel so much better. And part of the reason is they just brought, that's the biggest source of omega-6. But you don't want to cook like if, well, I would, for me, if we're going to cook at high temperature, if I'm going to saute up some, some mushrooms, then I, exactly. I use avocado oil. I think it has a smoke point of like 460 degrees Fahrenheit. Got it. It, works, it works great. It's primarily monounsaturated. And with olive oil, we use it on things that are cold, or if we're going to put some olive oil on the fish, we would, we would put it on just at the very end of the process because you don't want to oxidize oils. When they oxidize, they go from being healthy to being toxic. So you don't, and the other thing I'd say, everyone tells you to avoid sugar. Absolutely agree with that. But the one thing that'll kill you the fastest are these rancid oxidized fats. And so when I was a kid, I would go to Captain Newark's and eat a big fisherman's platter with fried shrimp and fried clams and French fries, and it tasted delicious. I would not touch that stuff now. You know, unfortunately, restaurant fried food um, Canola oil. Is, is, a, is a disaster. It's a nightmare. And they can't afford to throw the oil away every day. So they, it ends up, oh, it gets, it's, it's, it's up at high, that. it's at high temperature. It's, it's exposed to air. It's oxidizing. You're making all these rancid, nasty, oh you know, products in there. So, um, I just like fried food is one of those things where, yeah. you, you know, you, 
I hardly touch it just because I know what it's those well, damaged molecules fryer? become. What about yeah. an air fryer? Um, uh, a little bit of olive I, oil, spritz it, throw in an air fryer. Yeah, 15 I might. I, 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 I probably would lean a little more towards the avocado oil instead of the olive oil on the air fryer, just because I believe it's a more stable, you know, olive oil is going to have a lower smoke point. It's going to be more easily damaged. But yeah, I mean, that certainly, and at home, you could, you could fry things in coconut oil. Coconut oil doesn't have near, it has almost no unsaturated fat, which means there's no double bonds. And double bonds are where oxygen comes in and rips off electrons. And so these polyunsaturated vegetable seed oils, like canola oil, um, like uh, soybean oil and corn oil, they are the most easily rusted or the most easily oxidized. And just like you don't want to have rust on your you know, on your house or on your car, you don't want to consume rusty molecules because those damaged molecules will trigger all kinds of bad effects in your body. So um, to, I'm yeah. going to give everyone a tip from my gut reset course sure. complimentary today. Okay. Um, and this is something that I, t I teach women and we've had a hundred percent success rate as of yet in helping women heal their gut and get rid of inflammation and bloating and whatnot. And the number one thing I tell women, if you learn nothing else from me over these next six weeks, if yeah. you learn nothing else and you do nothing else for the rest of your life, just do this and you will live longer. You will be healthier. You will be happier and you will have a better experience. And it was this, get rid of the vegetable oil, get rid of the canola oil, yes. get rid of the grapeseed oil, get rid of the soybean oil, get rid of any seed and vegetable oil forever because yes. they all go rancid and they are proven science. There's research done that they cause cancer. And yeah. I lost my father to cancer. And all we ever cooked mm. with was canola oil and vegetable oil in the Persian yeah. community. We were using that for every single meal, doing our stews. I mean, my father probably got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 42 because of oh, the wow. foods that we were eating. Cause he was healthy. Yeah. He was working out his whole life. Yeah. He was a, an amateur weightlifter. He got me in the gym when I was 13 years old. I mean, the man, those of you that have met him that are listening, he was the happiest man in the world. His mental health was on point, but he died from his battle with cancer. And the only thing I could equate it to, and there's proven research now is vegetable oil. And we use it all yeah. the time. So one hack for you, when you go to restaurants, yes, they do cook with canola oil and vegetable oil predominantly because it's cheaper. Yeah. But the majority of them have olive oil there for their dressing. So if you just request when you're getting, when you're ordering your food to let them know, if you could please cook for me with avocado oil or olive oil, they're happy to accommodate that. So mm -hmm. you can still go and eat out and protect yourself by doing one simple yeah. thing, request that they do not cook with vegetable oil and that they substitute that with olive oil coconut oil or avocado oil. Those are the three top best oils yeah. to cook with high I flash agree. points, 400 degrees. Plus you want to yeah. ask for the avocado oil, but Hey, they don't have avocado oil and all they have is olive oil. That's going to be way better for, for you yeah. than yeah. the vegetable oil. So there's a little, little tip in case you don't want to take the yeah. course, just and do I, that and you will live a better life. And I would give you the fist bump on that one. I absolutely Boom. agree. You know, yeah. <laughs> 
My that, second tip is stop sugar. Break your sugar addiction because yeah, sugar yeah. addiction is what's causing your mood disorder. It's what's causing your depression. It's what's causing your brain fog. It's what's causing your anxiety. It's what's causing your skin to age. There are molecules yeah. in sugar. And Dr. John, I'm sure you know about this. A-G-E-S advanced yeah. glycation and products that yes. are proven to go in and break down the collagen, the elastin in your skin, which yeah. means that you're going to have more wrinkles. You're going to have yes. saggier skin and you're going to age faster. And you get that through sugar. And I'm not just talking yeah. about white cane sugar. I'm talking about the alternatives as well. Stevia, yeah. monk fruit, xylitol, the things that people are like, Oh, I'm so healthy. I, I use stevia. Oh, I'm so yeah. healthy. I'm doing monk fruit. The brain registers it all the same way. You eat sugar, it hits the tip of your tongue. It sends a signal to your brain that releases dopamine, which is the do it happy hormone. You have this sugar high then you crash your sugar low. That's why you're feeling all anxious and depressed. Yeah. And yeah. then you're sending all these signals onto the body releasing AGES. And this is, this is, I want to talk so what, about it. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So let, let's talk about it a little bit. So, um, when you eat table sugar, cane sugar, um, it has a glucose and it has a fructose. It's a, it's a disaccharide. Those two are there. Um, and the fructose causes a lot of problems. I mean, that's a big problem for a lot of Americans because they put so much fructose in, pro in packaged foods that people are getting 50, 60, 70, 80 grams a day of fructose. And when you, fructose can only be uh, metabolized by the liver. None of your cells can burn fructose. Your liver clears it from your blood on that first pass going through. And when you get up to like 25 grams a day, which is what you're going to get from eating a couple pieces of fruit, it's not a problem. The liver metabolizes it. It uses it to make glycogen. So you have, you know, sustained energy and such. When you go above 25 grams, then it's like having a pot of uh, boiling sugar on the stove. And once you get above 25 grams, it spills over the sides and it starts cooking on top of your stove and spilling into your kitchen because it actually gets metabolized. It will produce uric acid in your blood, which will give you gout. It will raise your blood pressure. It will give you fatty liver disease because it gets metabolized into fat. So if you want to have fatty liver, just keep hammering your body with fructose. People are like, wait a second, fructose isn't a fat. All carbohydrates, all sugars are carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. All fats are carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Your body takes whatever sugar that you can't burn and you can't store, and what does it do? There's no place to short store sugar other than glycogen. And those, those tanks are very small. Every bit beyond that has to be converted into fat and then driven into storage. And if that conversion happens with fructose in your liver, so people get what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And it's rampant right now because if you want to sweeten something, whether it's barbecue sauce or low-fat yogurt or anything, turn around the packages it's going to say high fructose corn syrup. So then I have friends and they're like, okay, John, I drink the Coca-Cola that's made with cane sugar. And I say, okay, it's about 10% less bad because instead of having 55% fructose, cane sugar now has 50% fructose. So that's, those are the, the, that's the fructose side of the equation. Now, 
all carbohydrate, all pasta, all carbohydrate is just trillions of glucose is all connected together in a big chain. In your saliva, you have something called amylase, which is the scissors that the body uses. Actually, I guess it's the scissors. You know, the body uses to snip those bonds and release the glucose. And you want that to happen slowly because you don't want your blood sugar to go spiking up. Um, but as you said, glucose can react with proteins to make these advanced glycation end products. And it spells ages because it ages your red blood cells. It ages your arteries. It ages your retina. It ages your skin. So every study will show that having high levels of AGES means you're going to die younger. You're going to look older. It's a, it's a disaster. Um, so you've got to be really careful. Now, on the other side of the equation, if you never consume any um any carbs at all then the body has to convert um protein into carbohydrates it's called gluconeogenesis um and you and you can do that so the body there's no requirement that you have to have carbohydrate because the body can make it from protein um but sometimes if people go too low on carbohydrate they'll get dry eyes and they'll get gut issues because there are some like beneficial, flat, right? Yeah. If, if you're not getting enough carbs, yes, a lot of people do like the carnivore diet, the keto diet, they're not getting enough yeah. carbs. So they do yeah. lose weight, but then they get like, it almost looks like they're anemic. They get these sunken eyes. And if you yeah. look at the, the density of their muscles, the muscles look flat. The body looks yeah. like brittle. So and, you need to have some yeah. good carbs for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I guess what I say is like, I like, uh, Paul and So Ching Jaminé's book, The Perfect Health Diet, they show good evidence to say, if you eat 30% of good carbohydrates as in your diet, that that can minimize your cardiovascular risk. You can maintain it for your entire life. You can keep your insulin levels low. Um, if you go below that, you can burn fat. So for weight loss, going down below that is going to benefit some people and I'm not knocking it. And, in, and everyone has biochemical individuality where what's right for one person may not work for the next. So you always have to listen to your body and you have to tune it for your own thing. But um, the average person in the U.S. eats way more carbohydrate than they can dispose of, meaning I eat the carbohydrate, I burn some of it because I work out, and some of it is stored in my liver as glycogen or stored in my muscles as glycogen. All the rest has to be converted to fat. And to get it into the cells, you got to bring up your insulin. And that's what screws people because high insulin means that all the fat is going to be driven into storage, into the fat cells, and almost none of the fat is going to come out. So insulin controls whether you're storing fat or burning fat. And again, the normal range for insulin is like two and a half to 25. I keep my insulin levels at around three, at near the bottom of the range. And I still eat carbohydrates, but um, I just don't, I don't exceed my body's ability to get rid of them. So people that add muscle have better carbohydrate disposal. But I, I want to say that you got to be careful. If you eat more carbohydrates than you can dispose of, you're going to get fat 
and you're gonna age more quickly. So if you don't eat any carbohydrate, your body might take protein and turn it into carbohydrate and you may not feel great and your, and your gut may not make those molecules, that mucus that it needs to protect itself and your tears may not be as effective. Um, so I like, I like to be at 30% and I know some people are going to bring it down to 10% because they want to lose weight or, they're, or they really want to make a lot of ketones and I get that and I'm, I'm cool with that as long as they understand what to watch out for. Um, but when people are at 60 and 70% carbohydrate, they're trying to eat low fat. I just feel like it's a disaster and they're killing themselves and they're working so hard and they, everything they buy is low fat. Low fat means high carbohydrate Bingo. and you're already Bingo. overloading your ability to, to get rid of carbohydrates. So you, okay, let, and let me repeat that again. Yeah. When you're buying things low fat, that means you're buying things high carb because the substitute yes for the fat that would have been in that recipe is now a form of carbohydrate. I want to go ahead and share one thing because you said so many things that are just like, I'm just trying to catch it all. So number one, we're all starting to really understand how much of a nerd you are. And I love you for that. <laughs> Those of you that are listening haven't realized this. Like he's like, so I'm tracking my insulin and my insulin's at a three and I'm tracking this and it's at that. And I always want to live in the green. So one beautiful thing that I love about Dr. John Sautery is he does blood work on himself all the time. He does lab tests on himself all the time. And he he's such a nerd. I'm going to call you out for it right now, Dr. John, because I love you. I know. Like, I, he sits I know. there, he gets the lab results and then he goes in and he has like this tool and he graphs his results for every blood work and lab test that he has done. Like he's not even, a, he's not the doctor, he's a scientist, but this is why his doctors love him because he shows up to his doctor's appointment like, okay. And they're like, John, what do you have for me? He's like, look at my graph. This is where I was last year this time. This is where I am this year this time. Why do you think this number yeah. went up? He's hacked his own biology oh, oh, oh. and he's hacked yeah. the aging process. That's why he's 61 and looks like he's 35. But before we get to that, I want to share one thing and I'm going to pass the mic back to you because you sure. started to talk about my, my wheelhouse and my passion point, which is nutrition and gut health and weight loss yeah. and all these things. Like my life's work has been figuring out how I could help women feel the best in their body, physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. That's why I'm a holistic health coach. And the gut reset course that I launched last year in 2020 is to help women lose the stubborn five to 10 pounds. It's to help women get rid of the bloating and the chronic inflammation. And like I said, we've had a hundred percent success rate. And the majority of it is because no seed oils, no vegetable oils, low gar carbohydrate, high protein, high fat. And I don't want to take too much time because I know we only have about 10 minutes left of this episode, but yeah. you and I, we're going to have to do a part two. I think you know that. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to have to do a part two because I'm not done with you yet, sir. But okay. in the next 10 minutes, we're going to really add some value here. So sure. in the gut reset course, I teach people, if you're interested in becoming a nerd like Dr. John and tracking this and learning <laughs> what works best for your body, I teach you how to track your macros. I teach you how to like, and we play with that number. What does 10% carbs feel like? What's 15%, 20, 30, 40. We play with that. And then you let me know where you feel the best. I help you identify what ratio works the best for you so that when I'm done with you or you're done with me six weeks later, you can live the rest of your life knowing I function best at 30% or I function best at 25%. And I help you do that. You don't need to go and read a bunch of books and get all these apps and try to figure it out and get frustrated. I take care of you with that. So I just want to throw that out there, but I want to read an article that I was reading on Costco connection. We all love Costco and it just came out January, 2021. 
Trying keto, burning fat for fuel with a low carb ketogenic diet. With the popularity of the ketogenic diet, you would think that it's a new weight loss fad. However, it's been around for about a century. Now, I'm not saying that I'm keto. Those of you that are listening, I'm not promoting keto. I'm not promoting any one way of dieting. I just want to educate you on keto because it's the fad right now. It's what everyone's doing for weight loss. And I'm going to tell you why I like it and why I don't. So stay with me. This low-carb, high-fat way of eating was first introduced to treat children with seizures and is now widely used for weight loss. Yep. Epilepsy. How does it work? The keto diet is generally around 55 to 60% fat, 30 to 35% protein and five to 10% carbohydrate. For example, if you're eating a 2000 calorie diet, that's about 20 to 50 grams of carbs per day by eliminating carbohydrate rich foods, such as bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, beans, baked sugar, good starchy vegetables, fruit from your diet. You replace them with high fat foods and moderate amounts of protein rich foods, such as beef, sausage, bacon, avocado. Yes, there's protein in avocado and really good fats. It's really good for your skin. I love avocados. Eat them today. Uh, Some nuts and seeds and some oils. The body is deprived of carbohydrates. Subsequently, the main fuel source glucose. This forces the body to use fat for fuel, creating what's called a state of ketosis, hence the term ketogenic. The upside of the keto diet is that it cuts empty calories, primarily sugary, high carb foods, which may, keyword may, lead to weight loss. The downsides are some people experience short-term side effects, such as nausea, vomiting, headache, dizziness, and insomnia, often referred to as the keto flu, and long-term compliance with the diet is challenging. Since ketosis is a physiological state that requires nutrients in a specific ratio with mostly fat and then protein and a very limited amount of carbs, veering off this delicate macronutrient balance throws a wrench in the diet. So if you're trying to do keto, what this means in layman's terms, if someone tells you to do 60%, um, 60% fat, 30% protein, 10% carbs. If that's not the right ratio for you, you may be losing weight, but you're going to feel sickly. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel lethargic. Your mood's going to be thrown off and you're, you're not going to look healthy. People are going to look at you and say, you look like you're a twig. You're about to break. And I experimented on, like, you can go and look on my Instagram and you will see pictures that I posted where I was at this five, 10% and it wasn't good for me. And you can see it in my face. My face looks sunken. I look like a skeletor. My muscles were non-existent, but I was skinny as a rail. When I would do a back bend, you can see my, you could almost like see into my hip bones and see my ovaries mm. inside my pelvis. It was disgusting, but I weighed 119 pounds and I was a size double zero and I'm five foot seven, by the way. So you should not weigh that much. So I'm telling you this to let you know that in my course, I want to help people figure out what's the right macronutrient for you to look good and feel good. And in the keto diet, and they go on to say this in the article. So let me finish the last paragraph. Plus sticking with a low carb keto diet plan may cause overeating forbidden carbs down the road. Because with the keto diet, you're coming from a place of lack. You're saying, I cannot eat this. 
So yeah. later when you're done with the diet, you're like, oh my gosh, I want that bread. You start fiending for these forbidden carbs. And that just puts all the weight back on and you have all these issues, you have inflammation. And that's probably Dr. John, how you had SIBO for the second time around when you went home and you were with your family, having all the wrong carbs and all the wrong sugar. <laughs> and your body was like, all right, let's feed the candida. Let's feed the bad bacteria. Let's do this again. Right. The bottom line is that keto dieters should choose real foods over highly processed products and seek support from a registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in ketogenic meal planning to ensure that it's healthy and not harmful. And that's where I come in. That's what I've been studying. That's what I'm working on right now, nutritional sure. therapy. And my goal is once Kai, my son is in school to go back to becoming a naturopathic doctor because this is my passion. This awesome. is my life's purpose is to teach people how to heal themselves from the inside out through food, nutrition, and mindfulness. So I just wanted to share that. And I wanted to reiterate that keto dieters should choose real foods over highly processed products and seek support. I think that's, I think that's right on the money. And I have one, one tip for you on the whole keto flu thing. When you go keto, your insulin levels are going to go down, 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 which is a good thing. And your fat metabolism is going to go up because of that. But your kidneys are going to process electrolytes differently. So when your insulin levels drop, your kidneys are going to start excreting sodium. So if you eat exactly the same amount of salt, the same amount of sodium, um, suddenly, and, you, and everything was good, suddenly you're going to be excreting sodium all the time. And so you're going to, you are likely going to have to replace those electrolytes. You probably are going to need to have more sodium and more magnesium in your diet to make up for that. And I think sometimes the keto flu is an issue where people don't have the right electrolytes and it's causing them big problems. I just want to share that one quick because that is something that can cause people a problem. And, yeah, and it, is, and it is the electrolyte problem. So this is also my course. I'm going to give this information away for free. Why even have a course? Let me just tell it to you all right here. <laughs> the episode. Congratulations. You're getting a ton of value today. Mr. Dr. John Sodery, who is paid $1,000 an hour by L'Oreal to consult on their products. And then my course, I'm just giving you the information. So here you go. Here's one more tip from the course. You ready? Okay. So when you're looking at going keto, your body starts to go into this flush mode where it's trying to get rid of, again, you're kind of kickstarting autophagy in a certain sense, but you're, you're, you're rebalancing your fluids. And in that process of rebalancing your fluids, you're flushing out a lot of the electrolytes that you need to function and have mental clarity and not be lethargic and not feel sick. The main electrolytes that you're losing are sodium, potassium, and magnesium. So if you're someone that's looking at doing keto, I highly recommend getting a really, really good quality electrolyte supplement. The one that I use, and I, I am partnered with them. So I do get kickbacks if you were to use my discount code. So I'm just putting that out there, but it's a family owned company called Redmond Life based out of Utah. And they mine their salts from the mountain and their product Relight has a thousand milligrams of sodium, 500 milligrams of potassium, 75 milligrams of calcium, 1585 milligrams of chloride and 60 milligrams of magnesium. So you're getting all the essentials that you need to have a full complex 
electrolyte. And just so you know, if you go and you order this right now, you can use my code, get elevated. You get a discount. They do pay me commission just so you know, I'm putting that out there. But I take a scoop of relight every single morning and it's made a huge difference in my life. When I have a high intensity workout, I sweat a lot. I take another scoop after my workout to replenish the lost sodium. And my son, who is 20 months old, takes a scoop a day and it has changed his behavior, his tantrums have gone down since doing that. Cause that magnesium in there is chilling him out. So I just wanted to add that in as a value add as well. So there you go. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I use the Redmond. I think it's the real salt, um, which I, I love that. I so. love the real salt. That's the only thing that I cook yeah. with. In that fact, I have it that sits inside my infrared sauna. So when I'm in there, I will, you know, add some sodium, you know, add that real salt to my water. And I normally drink, um, I normally drink, you know, two quarts of water when I'm in the sun, I keep my old Tito's bottles and, um, I'll, I'll sweat that same amount. So it's this incredible, you know, detox effect. I love that. So very it's cool. So good. So I know we've been, we've been really cutting into our time for today, but you've agreed. We did our fist bump. So you guys all heard yeah. it here first that Dr. John is agreeing to come back for part two. And just to let you know what part two is going to look like. So today we've been talking a lot about um, cell autophagy. We got a little bit into anti-aging. We gave you a lot of value about things that you can be changing right now today in your diet, getting rid of vegetable oil, getting rid of seed oil, which is going to increase your longevity. We talked about omega-3, omega-6s. We, start, we started to talk about sugar and we started to talk about corn. We're going to talk about that more at a later date. Um, but you had a lot of value in this episode. And the next episode is one that you're not going to want to miss because if you're looking at aging beautifully, and looking like you're 35 when you're 61, about to turn 62, just so you know, his birthday's <laughs> coming up. I had to throw that out there. By the time this episode launches in mid-June, it'll be his birthday, I'm sure. But with that being said, so the next episode is going to look like this. We're going to talk about the importance of biohacking, what blood work and lab work you should be getting done right now so that you can start being the advocate of your health and knowing your markers and knowing if you want to be nerdy, like Dr. John, how to graph that. Who's going to talk about how he graphs his blood work so that you can be your advocate when you go and you meet with your doctors every single year. We're going to talk about hormones, anti-aging, exercise, and how it helps support that. A lot of people are getting into IV therapy these days. So we're going to talk about IV therapy and supplementations and ones that we like, things that we don't think are necessary. We're going to talk about very common disorders that shouldn't be common, but they are because of reasons which we're going to talk about in the next episode, like PCOS, Hashimoto's disease, high cholesterol, blood pressure, Lipitor, the statin drug that everyone is on. And we want to get everyone off of it and tell you how to get onto something better. But autoimmunity, we're going to go into a ton of value in the next episode. So don't miss part two. Dr. John Sautery, thank you so much for being here with me sure. on the Failing Forward podcast. Do you have any closing remarks? I had one thing I just want to show you. When I was uh, on my 61st birthday, I wanted to see if I could still do my dip bar workout. So I, uh, this, I put this up on my Facebook page in my thank you, but let me see if I can make this work. Let's go here. Yeah. Yeah. So this is me on my 61st birthday and that dip bar is like 73 inches off the ground. So I have to get about 43 inches off the ground to get up on that. Wow. Dip bar. And I thought, I thought, 
you know, so many people tell you stuff and I'm like, I just want to show people what's possible. And I was, I don't feel like there's very many 30 year olds on the planet that can do this. And so I'm proud to be able to do that, do that at 16. I, don't, I can't even jump that high. How do you, I'm, how I'm do your joints do that? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, you know, things are still, everything's still working. So I, I just, I thought I, instead of like so many people just talk and talk and talk, I just want to just do it. And when I know when I go backpacking with guys that are like 29 years old, they're like, um wtf like are you, like are you, are you kidding me uh, you know like so i i just i uh that was that was i thought that was that was fun and uh i have a a dip bar up on the tree outside but it, it's a challenge to get up on that thing you got to get some good elevation so uh, to me that's a, a a good test of how I'm doing, how I'm feeling and like that. And um, I'm looking forward to the next time because we got a lot of great stuff and we can also maybe even talk about senescent cells a little bit next time too. Let's do that because I want to talk about transforming their health, the energy and their appearance. And I know senescent sure. cells is a huge part of that. Sure. So let's add that to the docket. Yeah. One fun fact that you guys don't know about Dr. John that I'm going to share with you really quick in case you're like, this man was amazing. Like he seems like a big deal. We just listened to a big deal. You guys, you did. Dr. John Sodery is an expert speaker at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA. And he's been interviewed by numerous publications, including Scientific America, um, and was on the cover story of multiple other publications. So we just received a ton of value from a lead PhD scientist. He has six patents. Is that right? You have six U.S. patents? Yeah, six U.S. patents and several uh, international patents. Yeah. Incredible. And you're an educator. You educate in the US, Canada, Europe, Middle East, and Australia. We appreciate your time, Dr. John. Thank you so much for being here. And for those of you that are listening, please like, comment, subscribe, send this to your friends and family. Anyone that you know is going to learn from this episode, which I know we all know someone that can. So you need to be sharing this information. If you're not sharing, you're not giving and you're not making the world a better place. So go share and then check out Bionic Vitality. We will talk about Dr. John's course in part two. So stay tuned for that. This is the Failing Forward podcast. My name is Niku Loesch, Dr. John Sodery. We're signing off. Thank you all. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you guys. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Take care.